Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity we have tonight. We thank you for the words that we've heard. You are our refuge. You have led us to the place of sacrifice. You have gone to the cross, and we need you. We come tonight, Lord, with all of our various challenges and, and needs, and we pray that you might help us to be honest, to share with you what is on our hearts and the concerns and the burdens that we carry. We pray, Lord, that you might hear our prayers and that you might help us. You always do. So we come to you, O Lord Jesus, our great high priest. We come to the throne of grace. We have needs. We have needs and we, we need mercy and we need grace in our times of need. Thank you for what Brother Levi reminded us of the old preacher. One eye on Jesus, one eye on his return. May it be true for us all as we pray, come Lord Jesus. We pray, Lord, for the ministry life of this church. So much of the, the ministry life of our church is going on on Wednesday nights. So many places, so many different things on this wonderful, in this wonderful place you provided for us. We pray for Brother Jeff and the choir, Brother Tim and the students, and Brother Ken with all the children and the many of our men and women who sacrificially take the time to prepare and study the Word of God in order to teach the Word of God. May the, may the fruit come as a result of this, and may you, may you grow this church according to your will, not ours. Thank you, Lord, for this midweek time to pray and to hear your word. And here we gather now, this group of us, we gather around the book of Proverbs as we have for a long time. <clears throat> Thank you for the days and the months that have gone along as we've had the chance to study this wonderful book. May it become a habit and a pattern in our life that we go to these words for wisdom over and over and over all the days of our life. <clears throat> so Lord, now we, we ask for your wisdom and your guidance and for you to give us attention and understanding. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Uh, good to see all of you tonight. Again, Proverbs chapter number 30 is where we find ourselves. And if you'll also make sure that the outlines are available right here in the middle and there's some at the back door. And may the Lord bless you. And I'm sorry, please again, I'm, just, I'm not trying to be a distraction with my, <clears throat> the way I sound, but I'm uh, working through my allergy time, I guess. That's what it is that I have to do. So we looked, uh, as we come to the end of the book of Proverbs, we discover that there are some collections of wise sayings that have been placed in the book of Proverbs. These, these words have been read by God's people for literally thousands of years, and now it's our turn. They are as timely for us as they were the first of the times in which they were given and collected and spoken. So under the inspiration of God, we've been given these collections. Uh, just This is a little bit of just detail, but back as we looked at in Proverbs chapter 25, uh, verse number one, these are the Proverbs of Solomon, which the men of Hezekiah king of Judah transcribed. So there was a collection here made by King Hezekiah of the 
wise sayings of Solomon. But now we find this strange, the words of uh, Agur, the son of Jacob, the oracle, that is the message. This, these are the words. This is the message of this man, Agur. I've given you his name. He was a collector of Proverbs and wise sayings. There's not a lot known about him, but he deserved to find his place in the Word of God, so therefore he is of importance to us, even though we do not know of his complete background. His name, Agur, means to gather. So perhaps it's a play on words. He's Agur. He's the one who collected these sayings, and he is also the one who spoke these, many of these words. His father was Jacob, which means pious. How wonderful it is to have children who collect wise sayings of God and, and are interested in the Word of God. How we pray that all of our children and grandchildren will do such a thing. So, Agur, the son of a wise father, collected wise sayings for life. That's what I want my children to do, my grandchildren. I hope you would have that desire also. So when we collect them, we share them. I hope that that's been true for you. I'm, I'm spending a few moments here to prepare as we, to try to set the arrange why I think this is important. So I grew up as a, as a boy with a father who, who collected Proverbs in order to teach us, and, and I've shared it with you many times. He put them on the refrigerator, about one a week. We have a large family, so there we were. I go to get the uh, bologna or the milk, or, and there's the proverb. There it is. And uh, they were a variety and various kinds of things, but they were good for me. So, again, little techniques. I mean, I don't know if my dad, I don't, I, you know, my dad's in heaven. I don't know the motivation. I don't know how he thought it up. Uh, but it was a good technique. I don't know what your technique is, but your children and your grandchildren need to know these wise sayings. Tonight, if I can remember to do it, I'll give you an illustration of one my grandmother used to say uh, that came right out, and I discovered it when I was a man, what my grandmother was saying. And lo and behold, here it is in the words of Agur. So Agur is giving the, this, the, the man declares these things to Ilthiel and to Eucal, two of his students or two of his disciples. So again, this is my point. Why do we study the Word of God and these sayings and the, and the wisdom of the book of Proverbs? Because we share these collections with others. You know, some of you collect things. You like to share with others what you collect. There's nothing that you can do better than the collecting of the wise words of God. You share them with your children and with others and friends. When someone's walking in a hard place, nothing's better. Nothing is more medicine to the soul than to share with them some wonderful truth of wisdom from the book of Proverbs. So I, I'm your pastor. I've spent all of these years and months talking to you about the word of God, and we've spent year, literally years in the, in the Psalms and Job and Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, I'm talking about verse by verse. We've gone through these books. Why? Because we all need them. We need them every day. You're, you're, you're older today than you've ever been, and you need God's wisdom more today than you've ever needed it. So don't be proud. Hear the word of God. 
So tonight our focal truth is this, wise thoughts produce wise living. Wise thoughts produce wise living. And so I've given you here, uh, how many have we got? We've got uh, five sets of, uh, I've, I've organized these in five uh, sets or clusters of truths. We have a wise confession. We have a wise confidence that's spoken of here. We have um, a wise request. We have a, a wise silence. And then we have some general observations on, uh, it looks to be about seven very topics. So what have I said to you before about these variations in the Proverbs? I believe this very, I'm convicted of this. I've spent a lot of my life in the book of Proverbs studying it. This is all happening at the same time in life today. Uh, these, these collections, these words that seem to be such random things. Well, the life is random, it seems. But God has a purpose in all the randomness. So there's people who are living with discontentment and dissatisfaction. There's disrespect. There are people who are amazed at things they see on the earth. There are, there are things that are just not reliable in this world that are going on right now at the same time. <clears throat> there, are, there are things in the way God created the natural creatures and animals of the world that teach us the wisdom of God going on. The, the, the creatures and animals do it every day because they're, they're equipped and they do what God made them to do. We're the ones that don't. There are majestic things and then there are shameful angry things all going on at the same time. So what do I need today? I need whatever's happening in my life today. And what's happening in your life and my life may have some commonality, but just this group. Then take all the hundreds who are here on this campus tonight. <clears throat> we need the wisdom of God. One word doesn't match everybody's need. But this book always has a place. So hear the word of the Lord. <clears throat> Surely I am more stupid than any man, and I do not have the understanding of a man. Neither have I learned wisdom, nor do I have the knowledge of the Holy One, who has ascended into heaven and descended, who has gathered the wind in his fists, who has wrapped the waters in his garment, who has established all the ends of the earth. What is his name or his son's name? Surely you know. Every word of God is tested. He is a shield to those who take refuge in Him. Do not add to His words, or He will reprove you, and you will be proved a liar. Two things I ask of you. Notice it is a capital or an uppercase Y. This is prayer. This is a prayer now as he speaks. Two things I have asked of you, do not refuse me before I die. Keep deception and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is my portion, that I not be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or that I not be in want and steal and profane the name of of my God. Do not slander 
a slave to his master, or he will curse you, and you will be found guilty. There is a kind of man who curses his father and does not bless his mother. There is a kind, and it's implied, of man. There's a kind of man who is pure in his own eyes, yet is not washed from his filthiness. There is a kind of man, oh, how lofty are his eyes, and his eyelids are raised in arrogance. There is a kind of man whose teeth are like swords, and his jaw teeth like knives to devour the afflicted from the earth and the needy from among men. The leech, now some of these are going to make you laugh and it's okay. The leech has two daughters, give and give. If you don't know what a leech is, you don't appreciate it. Give, give are the daughters of the leech. Give, give. There are three things that will not be satisfied. Four that will not say enough. Sheol, that is the place of the dead. And the barren womb, earth, that is never satisfied with water. You live in Tennessee these days? And fire that never says enough. The eye that mocks a father and scorns a mother, the ravens of the valley will pick it out. <clears throat> and young eagles will eat it. There are three things which are too wonderful for me, four which I do not understand. The way of an eagle in the sky. Notice the way, the language of the, the phrase is the way. The way of an eagle in the sky, the way of a serpent on a rock, the way of a ship in the middle of the sea, and the way of a man with a maid. That is, the way a man loves his wife or his, his wife is a woman, a man and a husband and a wife in their relationship. It's, it's a wonderful thing. This is the way, contrast now, this is the way of an adulterous woman. She eats and wipes her mouth and says, I have done no wrong. Under three things, the earth quakes. And under four, it cannot bear up. <laughs> Boy, these must be really powerful things. Under a slave, I uh, cannot bear up. Under a slave when he becomes king. And a fool when he is satisfied with food. It cannot bear up under an unloved woman when she gets a husband. And a maidservant <coughs> when she surplants her mistress. Or let's use our language. When an employee uh, betrays their boss. Four things are small on the earth, but they are exceedingly wise. The ants are not a strong people, but they prepare their food in the summer. The badger are not mighty people, yet they make their houses in the rocks. The locusts have no king, yet all of them go out in ranks. The lizard you may grasp with the hands, yet it is in the king's palaces. There are three things which are stately in their march, even four which are stately when they walk. The lion, which is mighty among beasts and does not retreat before any, 
the strutting rooster, the male goat also, and a king when his army is with him. If you have been foolish in exalting yourself, or if you have plotted evil, put your hand on your mouth. For the churning of milk produces butter, the pressing the nose, and the pressing the nose brings forth blood, so the churning of anger produces strife. Heavenly Father, now bless the reading of your word, and may the Holy Spirit be our teacher. A wise confession. These words shock us when we first read them. Some of you have read them like I have most of your life, but for some of you, this is brand new. So here's this man of God, and all of a sudden, he seems to speak so poorly of himself. Uh, we, we find people, when they're not in a right relationship with God, they'll, and they're honest, they speak about how terrible their life is and how miserable they are and how much they've sinned. But you see, that's what we all have to say. There's nobody that's righteous. I say to people all the time, and I have all of my ministry life, look at, who are coming out of their own re uh, rebellion against God, and they're saying, oh, I'm not good enough for God. Well, nobody's good enough for God. As I say, including the person speaking to you. I'm a miserable sinner. I'm a worm before God and unworthy of His grace and mercy. He saved me by His grace, and I don't deserve it. You know that's true for all of you. Just want to make sure we're all in the same club. So it sounds like this, this man is speaking in almost a derogatory way about himself. I am more stupid than any man, he says. He says, I do not have the understanding of a man. He says, neither have I learned wisdom. Nor do I have the knowledge of the Holy One. That is, I don't have any knowledge of God. I don't know God. Well, I've given you your outline. Paul said, Paul was, you know, one of the early men who, first of all, tried to kill Christians. You remember? And Jesus Christ met him on the road, and he was, and he was stunned and saw the, the Lord Jesus. The sun came on him with brightness, and he heard a voice. Saul, Saul was his name before he was saved. Why are you, why are you persecuting me? Well, he was gloriously saved. He came to know Jesus. And Paul became the greatest of perhaps all the apostles in planting churches. <clears throat> Paul said, I am the chief of sinners. I'm the leader of them all. Abraham said, <clears throat> when he saw God and heard the promise of God, you know what he said? I am dust and ashes. By the way, I am the chief of sinners. I'm dust. God made me. I'm dirt. I'm a dirt man. I'm made, of the, I'm made from the earth. I am dust and ashes. And David said, I am like a beast before you. I gave you these words from Jonathan Edwards, a famous preacher from uh, one of the greatest of American preachers. The more grace a person has of it with his remaining corruption, the less does his goodness and holiness appear in proportion to his sinfulness. Now, Jonathan Edwards was really smart. The point of it is, the more you grow in grace, the more you see your sinfulness. How's that? I pray more and more every day because I see the inadequacy and sinfulness of my life as I've grown in my Christian life. I don't, I don't talk about it less, I talk about it more. 
Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit. You know, this, is, this is where it starts. Uh, this is poor in spirit. So this wisdom reminds us of this great truth. And I've quoted to you Charles Bridges, <clears throat> whose commentary on the book of Proverbs is tremendous, and I would recommend it to you all. The closer our communion with God, the greater will be our self-abasement. The more I, more I see the holiness of God, the more I see His glory, the more I see His love, I see my lack of love. I see his, the more I see His grace, I see the lack of grace. The more I see His forgiveness, I see the lack of my forgiveness. So genuine humility. So what did James tell us? God is opposed to the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. So this, these words begin with <clears throat> this statement of humility. I hope that's the way that you look at yourself. You see, if I know that I'm stupid, then I seek the knowledge of God. If I do not have understanding, I know that I must gain knowledge of God to grow in the understanding of God. If I know that I'm stupid and I lack knowledge and I don't have understanding, then I will pursue those so that I have wisdom. This is what leads, and then what happens? The fear of God leads to a knowledge of God. And the theme of this book is the fear of God. But then we have this strange thing, a set of questions that come in verse 4. Who has ascended into heaven? See, notice, <clears throat> I don't have any knowledge of the Holy One, so now I'm asking who? I'm asking, is there anybody, any human being, who has ascended into heaven and descended? Who's gathered the wind in his fists? Who's wrapped the waters in his garment? Who has established all the ends of the earth? Who is, what is his name or... His son's name, surely you know. It is almost given as a, it, it's a, it's a point in his preaching to say, well, surely you know who that is. It's rhetorical, we would call it. He's making his point to say, why? Surely you're one that knows this. You see, he's reminding us, none of us know and can fathom the depths of the glory and majesty of God. Oh, we know one who, we know who one who, could, who, who did all these things, the Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> but this is his call out to humility. If I've, if I've not been one who's ascended to heaven and descended, if I've not been able to gather the wind and control it, if I've not wrapped the waters and sent the waters where they need to go and floods, if I've not established the earth, then I don't have wisdom without God's help. So I've given you Paul's reminder in Romans eleven thirty three. Oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. On Sunday mornings, we're looking at remembering our creator. We're looking at God and his creating of the world. As we look at these things, we're reminded of the unsearchable. Look at there, how unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable his ways. How great are your works, O oh Lord, how deep are your thoughts. So there's a wise confession. May God give us the ability to have the same humility and speak the same way. Now there's a wise confidence. It's in the Word of God. We spend without apology here not reading books together, but reading the Word of God together. And I'm not saying that rhetorical to get you to say amen. My point is, we are people of the book. 
The Word of God is all we have. The Word of God must be true or we are, we are of most people to be pitied. Those who do not believe and reject the Word of God, those who've walked away. You know, when I was in school studying to be a pastor, it was the rage for everybody to be trying to attack the Bible and to disprove the reliability of the Bible. The point was, if you disprove the reliability of the Bible, then man's not tied to these, quote, ancient Jewish words. They're just man's words put together over time. Are they? Are they? Men have tried to burn up Bibles. Men have tried to kill the people who've translated the Bible. By the way, to this very day. The Wycliffe translators are still translating into languages in this world that don't have a Bible. They don't even have a, go they don't even have a Gospel of John. Why such opposition against this book? Why so much worry? If it's just another book, if it's just a, a set of, you know, at best, uh, fanciful words with some thoughts, well, it'll pass away. Why generation after generation comes? Why an, a new believer comes to our church and we give them for the first time this book? And then we say to them, we're going to teach you how to read this book. And all of a sudden, they carry their book until it's fallen apart. They can't get enough of it. It doesn't read like anything else they read. It's different. The voice of it is different because it's the Holy Spirit speaking out of this book. This is real. I'm not making this up. I'm not living in a dreamland. Soon to be a 67-year-old man, I... I'm thankful from my birth that people said, this is the Word of God, and I'm going to show you how you can live by it. I'm grateful for that. Amen. So at whatever age you pick it up, you pick it up and all of a sudden, wait a minute, this book's been tested. Look, some of our people get real worried. I call it a brain freeze. Have you ever eaten ice cream too fast and you have a brain freeze? Some of our people have a brain freeze worrying about modern-day atheists. Did, did you know there have been atheists from the beginning? That's not a new thing. People worrying about it. As the atheists have raged and as they have gone on and the attacks have come and people have tried to take the Word of God apart and destroy it, well, here we are and they're dead. Every word of God is tested. You can tell your family. You can talk to people about it. For a, there's not a subject in life that the word of God will not address and help you with. Every word of God is tested by generation after generation after generation upon generation of, of people on this earth. Our Jewish, our Jewish friends had the word of God and from, from Abraham's seed comes the Lord Jesus Christ and the apostles come and every word of God is tested. If it could have been, if it can be disproven, well, you see, man still now stands to try to disprove it. God's word is tested. Uh, Psalm 12, 6. The word of the Lord, the word of the Lord, 
The words of the Lord are pure words. Psalm 18:30. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He is a buckler to all those that trust in him. God is a shield of protection to those who take refuge in him. When I read the word of God, guess what? I learned to find out where to go hide. I learned that I can go to God like a safety, like a, like a safe house. What did Shauna sing tonight? It's the refuge of God. We're the Lord Jesus. He is our refuge. He is our protector. He is the place we go. You, O oh Lord, are a shield about me. Look, that's what you can now know. <clears throat> as a believer, as you face the onslaught of the devil and the world and all the temptations, we have a shield. It surrounds us. It's the Lord. You are a shield about me, my glory, and the one who lifts up my head. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord gives grace and glory. No good thing he withholds from those who walk uprightly. And God's word is complete. <clears throat> so you'll have some groups that come along and say, well, now listen, you know, we, the, the Bible's really good, but we've got the additional parts here you need. There are no additional parts. The book of Revelation ends by reminding us, if you try to add to the book of Revelation, the last book, the final saying, all the plagues in the book will come on you. Don't add to God's Word. God's Word is complete. Genesis to Revelation. That's it. That's what God has given to us. And it's our assignment to understand it, to walk by it, and live by List These tested words. What am I going to do when I'm in despair? Go to the Word of God. It's tested. It'll tell you how to get out of it. What am I going to do when I have trouble and temptation? Go to the Word of God. You're going to find help there because the Word of God's tested. There may be some Christians who are sorry, but nobody's sorry that they ever went to the Word of God for their troubles and didn't discover all kinds of direction and help. A wise request. Keep deception and lies from me, Lord. That includes me lying to myself. The heart is deceitful above all things. Your heart's going to tell you how good you are, but it's a lie. We're sinners. You say, Pastor Mike, why are we always having this? Because you see, if I do not appreciate my sinfulness, I cannot appreciate being saved in the grace of God to make me a new person in Christ. This is the pride of the world. We're good. Everything's good. It's all good. Is it all good? The last time I looked, I, it's, it's terrible. So all this good stuff is making all this bad stuff. Well, there's something wrong with the formula. Keep deception. This is a personal prayer. He's not praying this for these students. Now this is what you should do. Pray, keep, no. He's saying, Lord, keep deception and lies from me. And don't give me poverty, but don't give me riches either. Give me the middle way. Provide me with the food that I need. And it will protect me. Give me what I need. Notice, and I've given it to you here, so that I won't forget you. See, if you have too much, you forget God. <clears throat> God's blessed me. What? Do you pray? <laughs> do you ever spend time in the Word of God? Do you tell anybody else about Jesus? Do you even come to church? I mean, is that just like a secondary matter now? <clears throat> You've wandered away from God? You see, when, when the pain's on, sometimes you walk with God a lot better than when it's all really happy and good. Israel was at its worst when they had the most. So that I won't forget you or deny you or steal from others or dishonor your name. <clears throat> These are all the truths that we must remember. Paul said in 1 Timothy 6, with food and clothing we'll be content. 
That's all we need. A wise silence. You see some of the things there. Don't slander anyone. Don't curse your father. Don't be self-righteous. Don't be proud. Do not speak words of fighting and hurt. Some wise observations. <clears throat> the world is filled with examples of taking but not giving. The leech has two daughters. <laughs> and those who are selfish have two daughters. Give, give. Give, 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 give. Give me more. Give me more. Give me more. A leech will suck as long as you leave it on your body. You know that, don't you? The world is filled with examples of taking but not giving, and the world is filled with examples of never having enough. I, I, this is it. Here's what the wise person says. You ready for this? It's on your paper. How much is enough? Do you ever ask that about your money? Do you ever ask that about your job? Do you ever ask that about your life? How much is enough? Wh whose values are you running on? <clears throat> when you run on the world's values, the answer is it's never enough. It's never enough. That's why we learn as believers the wonderful blessing of contentment. We are content. I am like, Psalmist said, I am like a weaned child on my mother's chest. What does that mean? <clears throat> Have you ever seen? So, uh, our three-year-old Nana, he's, you know, he's trying to get something out of Nana. That's what he's doing. He, but, oh, he's got to just lay on Nana. Lay on Nana. Oh, well, you know, his mother just rolls her eyes like, okay, whatever. Lay on Nana. Satisfied. Well, I'm with Nana, so I'm going to get everything I want. You see, when we rest in the Lord, that's enough. Oh, but I'm having terrible things go on. Yep, you'll have some more too. But we rest. Disrespect. Disrespect. Verse 17. <clears throat> so I'll start here. My, my grandmother, and, I, and I'm, I'm, an, I'm a wicked sinner. You know, I grew up and I got a mouth on me. And, you know, I've been whipped a bunch in my life. I just got to tell you, I mean, and I deserved every one of them. And so I'd go to my grandmother's, Grandma Kirkendall. Don't look at me like that. And this is what she'd say. Now, this is when I was living in the literal years. You know, children are, have literal years. Everything's literal. Don't look at me like that, or the birds are going to pluck your eyes out when you go outside. One day I went and got in the car like this. I still remember my mother told me. And she said, what is wrong with you? I don't want the birds to get my eyes. I found where it was. I told my dear grandmother as a young preacher, I found it. And she said, mm-hmm. That's all she said. Well, you found it. Now you're living by it. She was rough. The eye that mocks a father and scorns a mother, the ravens of the valley will pluck it out. Some of you need to use this on your kids and your grandkids. I'm just giving you some stuff here. 
And then the wonders of this world, we saw those, unreliable things. But the wisdom of creatures, let's finish here tonight. We don't often think about how God, now this isn't really ties to what we're doing in the morning, and this is where I want to leave it tonight. And God said that it was good. And God created it, and it was so. Remember those phrases? I've been going, I know you're ready for me to move on. Like somebody said, are we going to be in Genesis 1 the whole time? I don't know. We're going to be there for a while. So God made all of these creatures. And if we're careful and do it the right way, when science is done well, and it can be done well, in, in the, the world of uh, you know, studying the animals and the creatures, we're fascinated and learn things about God from the creation and the creatures. So I gave it to you here in the uh, New, New Living Translation. That's what it means NLT there. There are four things on earth that are small but usually wise, unusually wise. Ants. <laughs> Ants. I mean, you probably get that granular stuff like me to get rid of them. They aren't strong, but they store up their food all summer. We all know this tonight. The ants are getting ready for January in Tennessee. Badgers. They're not powerful, but they make their homes among the rocks. They know, they know where to make a house. Locusts. They have no king, but they march in formation. <laughs> and lizards. They're easy to catch, but they're found even in king's palaces. They're everywhere. They're everywhere. So here's the point. You've heard these sayings. Now go home and think about it. I can't elaborate and expand on it, but you should do that. That's the point of these contrasts and comparisons that are given to us in the Word of God. They're for you to use to think. It's what we don't do very well as Americans. We don't think deeply about much, except our worrying. But we do think deeply about worry. We're on something and we worry about it, we worry about it. Like my mother and my uh, sisters would always be talking about something. It seemed like every time I came to the house, they were talking about the same thing. And my dad used to say, well, they're boiling it down. They're boiling it down. So, man, are they ever gonna get that boiled down? No, because you just keep on boiling it down. See, we can think deeply about things. It's just the problem is what we think about. So tonight as we finish, remember this. Like the pressure, the, the, the uh, paraphrase says it this way, like the pressure of milk produces butter. The pressure on milk produces butter. And the pressure on the nose will bring blood. So the pressure of anger Pressure of anger produces strife. I gave it to you here in the Aramaic. As milk under pressure produces butter and a nose under pressure produces blood. So patience under pressure produces strife. It's an interesting reading. Well, I'm patient. Are you? What happens when your patience, what's our saying? Is tried. Well, may the Lord give you wisdom. Who is wise among you in understanding? Let him show, James 3.13, it's at the bottom of your page. Let him show by his good behavior 
his deeds in the gentleness of wisdom. To the praise of the glory of his grace, the Lord Jesus is near the door. Oh, come Lord Jesus. Come Lord Jesus. Come Lord Jesus. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. The joy of your word. It challenges us. Your word is tested. Your word is true. Every word matters and every word is pure and clean and glorious. May these words come to be inside of us. May the Holy Spirit put them in us tonight. May every one of us leave this room with something we needed for our life today so that we might live in wisdom and be filled with the Holy Spirit and be a witness for Christ. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.